0: And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff.
1: My guest is Elizabeth Crosby, who during her near-death experience saw her future, and today we're going to learn about it. Elizabeth, thank you so much for being on our podcast, and welcome.
0: Thank you so much for inviting me. It was uh, very unexpected. Um, I look forward to being here.
1: All right. Well, if you don't mind, let's start on the day it happened and go from there. Okay.
0: So let's see. Um, I was in a pretty chaotic point in my life. Um, the short version is that I had a really bad case of Catholic school girl syndrome. I was, uh, a dancer at the time and, uh, I was partying after the after party, uh, with my at the time boyfriend and a couple of uh, you know our our friends and um, I had drank like a bottle like a liter this size bottle of vodka and uh, I had like a bottle of Xanax so I started cutting up like you know I like basically poured the whole thing out and put like you know three four or five pills back in in case I had a hangover the next day and I just chopped them up for everybody to snort and come down and. Uh, the guy I was dating at the time dared me to just do the whole thing myself, and I thought, okay. And something inside said, "Wait, if you do," th- said, "If you do this, you will die." And immediately, my soul just jumped at that and went, "Yes, good," Whoop, up my nose. And so then I remember falling backwards and then suddenly I was in this tunnel and I was free and I didn't have pain and I wasn't sad and I was thinking home home I'm finally going home and I was so so happy and I just I whenever I think about it I get like a little bit emotional because I really want to go home and I'm not allowed to yet and I've got stuff I have to do and I really want to do that stuff but I really want to go home so um But I'm going through this tunnel and I'm going so fast and so fast and home, home. And then I run into this light and the light says, are you sure? And I go, yes. And he goes, really? Now? Like this? And that's when he showed me how I would have been remembered if I had died at that time. And so he showed me something that was confirmed actually 10 years after. He showed me the house that my brother was going to buy 10 years after. Uh, I had died you know and him sitting talking with and the faces were blurred out but I could see you know about four or five people in the room and it was my grandmother's furniture but not her house and it was arranged in a different way and the things were different in the cabinet but it was definitely her table and definitely her cabinet they were talking and she was asked someone was asking my brother about uh, his sister and he thought about me and he was so embarrassed that I had committed suicide And that he hadn't had anything good to say to his family about me. And I felt his shame. And then time started moving backwards. And next I saw myself on stage at the strip club. And I saw myself specifically from the perspective of one audience member on a slow day in particular. And, you know, I had always thought that I was being like, you know, artist trying to elevate the craft, and, you know, I was trying to do it as, like, almost a pagan ritual, going sky-clad to reclaim my sexuality, you know, and, uh, again, common behavior uh, for people who have been traumatized for church, so, like, if they're going through that, don't hate yourself because when God showed me this, God didn't hate me either, but he did show me that I didn't look quite as cool as I thought. He showed me that I looked so thin and so frail and so sick and just so pale. And it was so sad. And my heart broke for her, this girl on stage. And it was me and I was the guy and I pitied her. And of all the emotions in the world that, uh, I would have expected whether they were lust or envy or hatred or jealousy or indignation even uh, pity would not have even been on the list um and then time went backward again and i knew that i was about to see myself at the afro clubs and uh my shenanigans there and I went, oh, my God, he's going to send me to hell. I have to go back. I have to repent. You know, it was this real, like, you know, like a scared little rabbit. And God laughed. Like, not an evil laugh. Just like, a <laughs> kiddo, just hold on. And then I got terrified, like, more scared than I was scared of hell, because then I thought of the repentance process at my church that I had grown up in, and it was um a pretty public repentance process. There's a lot of shaming involved. you're not allowed to take the sacrament, everybody knows why. It's really embarrassing and you're never really back in. you're never really forgiven. you know the blood of Christ is there, but it's kind of there for after you've done all you can do. So if you haven't really done all that you can do, are you sure you've done all that you can do? Are you sure you really deserve forgiveness? or at least that's how i was taking the doctrine and um i hope no one else takes it that way because that's just not the way it works that's not what i saw what i saw was a god that loves me as me imperfect messed up bisexual me drug addicted me um Like if God wasn't perfect, He would have made me perfect. God doesn't mean perfect because God is perfect. God is pure love, pure intelligence, and God already is all of the knowledge. If you can imagine just a summation of all the knowledge in the universe, it was all there in that ball of light, and it was all made of love. and It was just this pure white light that just radiated everything that everything that's beautiful and good in the world, and I miss it so much and I want to go home so bad. And it's so dark here and it's so painful here and it hurts so bad sometimes. But if I go home now, then I'd be leaving my little boy alone and he needs me. And, and I feel like God wants me to like warn y'all that like this isn't something I saw in my near-death experience, but something that I've been seeing after and recently that like some stuff is coming up. And the energy is shifting from red to black, and we need to be prepared spiritually and reconnect when bad things happen. A good mantra to use is is just with each breath, ask yourself, "How can I show love? How can I show the love of Christ? How can I show love when someone's hurting you? How can I show love when someone's hunting you? How can I show love when my son was kidnapped? Well, not really kidnapped, but when my my ex took." my son and wouldn't let me see him and told me I was never going to see him again. You know, my mantra had to be, how can I show love? And when you put that mantra in, even going against everything that's around you, going against the advice of lawyers and doctors and family members to just show love in spite of people threatening the most horrible things. If you do that, It's like this magic happens and Christians get so mad at me when I talk about Christian magic. But if I say prayer, you don't believe that it works. And that's so infuriating, just the faithless priests, the faithlessness in the churches. It's, it's enough to make me want to flip over tables. And I mean, if, 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 if the churches hate me, I mean, like I, I didn't even trust the Bible until 2020 and the shutdown was the best thing. It was the worst and the best thing because I started getting relapsing with alcohol and I started drinking three bottles of wine a day and it was awful and I was going to die, but I had everything that I cared about ripped away. And At some point, I just started talking, you know what, Satan, alcohol, demon, whatever, if you're going to make me drink, I'm going to make you listen to Jesus. And so I pulled up YouTube and they have like the whole Bible book by book on audio book. And I started listening, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and I got halfway through Luke, Luke and I realized that Jesus was the one person on earth that hated church more than I did. And church didn't like him either. You know, it wasn't the Romans that crucified him. It was the Pharisees. They're the ones that stirred up all the trouble and made Rome do it. And so if you're getting hated in church, especially if you're getting hated for telling people to love, to be kind, to be compassionate to the poor person, the person who doesn't dress right, who doesn't fit in, who smells weird at church, you know, or who has crumbs on their face on fast Sunday, you know, the person who smells like cigarettes or has alcohol on their breath on Sunday morning. You know, if you tell the people to to love that person and they shun you for that, you are in very, very, very good company that's exactly what they
1: did to jesus elizabeth thank you for sharing your experience with us
0: thanks so much for listening
1: right before you um decided to um inhale or snort the xanax you said you heard this voice you heard this voice say this is going to kill you was that your own voice or was that another voice that you heard
0: no, it was a male voice that was not audible. It was like a thought that I didn't think that was uh, telepathically directly in my head. It's more in line with what um, what you experience on the other side. Like you don't have like a mouth and a voice and a body uh, like they teach in the Mormon church. Uh, it's more like I was like a ball of light. And I was with this ball of light.
1: Right. No, I mean right. So right before you, this is. I'm talking about the voice. Right before you. Before
0: it was that type of communication, but I was in the flesh.
1: Okay. Was that the? And that
0: type of communication can absolutely happen in the flesh. Mm -hmm. It's just a matter of honing into it and asking for it. You have to ask. You know, God, speak to me. You know, let me hear your voice and speak to me. And you have to ask questions, real questions. You can't just badger the spirit. Like when I was a kid and I was praying about the Book of Mormon, and they always tell you, pray about the Book of Mormon and make sure you're speaking to really the Spirit of God. And that's all great advice. However, it's incomplete advice. Okay, because when I was praying, I was just praying, is it true? Is it true? Is it true? true? You better say yes, or I know you're the devil. That's not asking. That's that's badgering the spirit. And badgering the spirit is bad. That's why you're not getting answers if you're not getting answers about that book and you're asking in that way. Instead, start asking real questions. And this was actually what eventually led me out of the church, but it was the voice of God. It was, um, I started asking, because after my near-death experience, like church church had been addressed in my near-death experience. And um, when I thought about going back, I was scared. I was scared. I couldn't do it. I was scared. I couldn't live the rest of my life. Never f- again, never drinking again, never smoking again, never watching an R rated movie again. And I didn't want to offend the light anymore, screw up worse than I already had. And I wasn't going to do it. I, and, and that's when God got serious. That's the only time God got like what one would could call stern, like maybe not angry, but stern, but it was almost like God had shuddered in pain uh this thought that i had had and it was the most horrible thing and you don't ever want to see god in pain you rather fall on your swords it's awful and um like really it hurts god when when church makes when any organized religion makes people feel like god doesn't love them that's heresy that's blasphemy that's a sin like the pain that it's like when i talk about it i feel a little bit of it and it like hurts my my heart and like it kind of makes me want to cry like those preachers need to repent Like, especially the ones telling them to throw their gay kids out in the snow in the middle of winter and never talk to them, disown them, fire them from their jobs. That's a very serious sin, and that's causing God a lot of pain, and God wants you to know not to do that. It is a sin. If you look, if you want to stay within Christian eschatology, then look in the chapter, in the book of Ezekiel. The prophet Ezekiel says very specifically that. Um, this was the sin of thy sister Sodom. She was overfed and unconcerned. She did not help the poor. You notice it doesn't say one thing about gay couples adopting kids.
1: When you first got to the other side and you saw the light, and the light asked you, Are you sure you want to stay? Was that God?
0: I think so. I didn't get a name. Um, I've been looking for the light ever since. And what I've noticed is that there are different lights that seem to come with your intention. Like if my intention is sex, like a pink light will come, uh, or beauty, same thing, pink light. You know, if my intention is wealth or the acquisition of knowledge will be like a green light, blue light will often indicate healing, yellow light, joy, if it's a little cloudy, maybe joy with some regret, like the uh, wanting to make it right kind of feeling that's like a a dingy gold or like a tarnished gold but. Black usually indicates addiction uh, or judgment or sickness in someone's aura. The color that I was looking for was white because that was the one that I met in my aura, and that was the one that was pure love, and that was the God that I was looking for. And it appears to prefer the name of Jesus, much to my shock, but there's a much more important principle of demanding the intention of love. Because when I go into different churches, and I think I've been thrown out of more churches than most people have ever visited, is I pray, God, please show me this through your eyes. And what's interesting is it's like the room kind of lights up and starts to get these colored lights bouncing around. And um, so, you know, you can tell like some churches where like the focus is more on kind of hooking up and starting a family. And becoming super successful in the world, you know, you can kind of see that, uh, that in their intention versus when someone's going to sincerely connect with God um, and to look for ways to help others and to be kind and just replenish their soul, reconnect with source. Um It's like a type of almost energy feeding from source, you know, like some of my more pagan friends, you know, uh, you know, thinking back towards those days. If you're thinking of like a vampiric mentality, you know, you talk about feeding off of other people's energy or feeding psych, psychic feeding. Um, And I've noticed actually sometimes vampires have a little bit of block uh, around their crown chakra. It's like a little bit of a blockage, almost like they haven't been source feeding. And so they're having to try to pull this energy from other people. Or even uh, if you look into the literature, they have descriptions on how to get that energy from food, specifically raw food. Um, I've noticed that that energy, that Christ consciousness energy, that white light energy seems to come uh, through gratitude and through acts of service or love and so if you ask yourself how can I show love as long as you set your intention to love you know that seems to be the only important thing like I've noticed the white light around Buddhists and Christians and Muslims and even sometimes atheists and agnostics certainly Carl Sagan had a lot of white light around him um and I've noticed darkness like outright darkness sometimes and people standing behind the pulpit um and one note i would like to add like once you start getting into those communications from the other side like i think that a lot of time and part of what's happening with this shift is a lot of people's third eye is opening up and they're starting to become more spiritually in tuned uh, they're starting to it's almost like the veil is getting thinner um And sometimes it's too much, it can be a lot, you know. And so, like, if it's ever too much, just ask, you know, God, this is too much for me. Can you please give me a break? Can you please like close it for a while and the world will come back to normal, you know, focus on like physical things. But if you are looking to open up and see more, uh, and ask to be shown, because it's not a power that you have or control, it's a grace that's given. And it's weird because like Christian magic seems to be the opposite of pagan magic. With pagan magic, the whole thing is about uh Inserting your will and accumulating energy within yourself—it's like you're accumulating a desire or an energy or an intention within yourself, so that you can release that ball of light out into the world or to manifest it. You know, almost like they talk about in Christian churches, with that preach the prosperity gospel of manifesting. That is very in line with pagan intention in that magical realm, um, whereas what i've noticed particularly when i started like exploring like the catholic tradition and i don't think the catholic church wants me i don't think i fit in there but they do have a lot of interesting uh literature and traditions and prayers that are very effective and that i would highly recommend the rosary in particular does call the white light and uh i actually started praying the rosary back when i was a mormon kid because i noticed that if i did that uh people around me would stop being violent
1: It sounds like you have the ability to see auras. Did you get that ability after your NDE or did you already have it prior to that?
0: I had seen it a little bit, like once in particular prior to that, I was drawing myself when I was a kid and I was looking in the mirror and I was just having like a really rough time and I was trying to draw myself and I started, I was using these color pencils and I noticed as I started, I started almost like looking through myself instead of at myself and as I was looking through myself it was like against this white background it was like this um these lights started appearing around me I noticed that I was like changing color a little bit and I was getting like purple and pink and a little bit of green and uh so I started sketching it out and I didn't know what it was like in the Mormon church there is no that priesthood is a thing that belongs to men and the priesthood is a matter of power and legislation and checking off boxes for rituals it's not about actually contacting the light it's not actually about healing or manifesting or 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 what i would now say is the thing that i am being called to do and i'm not trying to say that they're wrong they're they or right or it's not my place to judge that it's just that like i'm talking about something where like if i talk to people from my old church about it they kind of look at me like i've grown a second head or like they're like i've never experienced that how do you experience that like rarely if they're like a little more open-minded um i've noticed that it gets stronger if i fast and it gets weaker if i use any kind of substance or medication or drugs so it's a little bit weaker right now because, like, I had to take my uh, Prozac and my gabapentin this morning. Uh, I didn't know I was going to be on here. Those things like block some of my vision. So, like, anytime I take, uh, you know, even like the cannabis that I'm prescribed, like anytime I do that, uh, or like any kind of earthly thing, you know, even if I eat like a lot of food, like a lot of fatty food, it'll become more cloudy. I'll become more corporal. Whereas, like, if I fast, if I kind of deny those things for a while um even if i just do something like deny myself netflix deny myself tv for a few months it's like that starts to become more thin and so it's like the auras become more visible um the uh like if i skip my pain and anxiety medicine and only like take like what's absolutely minimum medically necessary it becomes more more visible if i skip uh meals like if i fast for a day it becomes a lot more visible. Um, I would say after my near-death experience, it increased a hundredfold.
1: Has your near-death experience faded over time, or is it still as real today as it was the day that it happened?
0: More real because I've seen each thing independently confirmed. I've been to a strip club as a customer now, and I did feel pity for the poor girl on stage. Uh, my da- my brother did buy that house. He did Get married and have a conversation over dinner that referenced somebody who had committed elsu in his life, who committed suicide, and he got embarrassed and he had the same look on his face. And the house was decorated in the exact same way. It's his yellow house that he now rents out. Um, That one floored me. That was the moment that I I knew. And that was like a good ten years after my near death experience. And I was like, like, what? Because my brother didn't even like talk or think or act like that at the time like this was just like a radical shift like they saw his whole life being changed differently by this relationship um and that's i think why i'm so grateful that Katie's in his life now like she i think was sent there by god i think that this relationship and this family that he married into was a thing that was supposed to happen to heal some of the trauma from uh our own family um getting divorced which is again for theological reasons a little bit difficult especially if you like really believe in the Mormon faith so that that was hard for him so now he's in a very happy catholic family and i'm very happy for him uh, you know his his faith tradition is a lot different than mine he's um a lot more suit and tie a lot more fits the box of you know the neurotypical standard good good son type Uh, But that's okay. I'm fine with being a black sheep.
1: (laughs) What do you think inspires you about your NDE?
0: I don't know about inspires. I would say that it gives me um, something to hold on to when things get bad. So like when my marriage got rough and things started getting... A little dangerous, uh, and I'm not saying that I'm an angel or that he's' a villain, but a little dangerous uh, to the point of um I became convinced that if he didn't kill me, I was gonna kill myself. And some moments when things were very dark and I was very close to doing it again, I remembered what god had told me in my last time it's almost like the depression and the pain gets so bad sometimes that i almost can't move Like can't um and so in those moments uh, a couple times i've seen like it's like the world kind of faded out to black and I hadn't taken anything. I hadn't cut or anything like that. I hadn't made an attempt, you know, like the method was there and I had put it down and just collapsed from pain. And I saw like the room go black again, and I could feel these entities around me screaming, kill yourself, kill yourself. And then this light, this white light that I recognized from my near-death experience came down and reminded me that all I had to do was hold on. That was all I had to do was survive it. I didn't have to conquer it, defeat it, or be some great famous person that did some special, wonderful thing, uh, or even be a good, good kid, good wife, good mom. I just had to survive it. That was the mission. And so if you're out there and you're in pain and you're depressed and you're suffering and you're worried that you're screw up and that the world hates you and that the world would be better off without you and that if you were only dead, all these problems would just be fixed. If you could just go away, know that that is spiritual as well as biological, because those things I heard in that moment. when I was considering a second suicide attempt, I believe they were clearly uh, demonic or I don't know if that's the right word, but of a lower spiritual realm. And I think that those in that spiritual realm are in so much pain and so much loneliness that they think if they bring you with them that they'll be less lonely, but they'll just be lonely still, and you'll be lonely too. and. So I'm very grateful that the light kind of came in those moments and took over. And when the light came, I felt like this peace and it was like this warm oil washed over me. And again, I hadn't taken any mugs. I hadn't taken any drugs, you know, none of that. And this was just all a spiritual change. Um, And so returning to that, you know, like if I start to feel some of these negative entities, because what happened was, I actually saw there's one particular negative entity that is assigned to me, it's attached to me. And I don't know if this is common or not, but I saw it very clearly, because I was a little, little tiny ball of light, God was a big old ball of light, but there was this almost humanoid entity i think i think that when other people on the internet because like i I sometimes google it when i see something weird to see if anybody else has seen it just to see like have i gone crazy or am i developing a new sense you know it's not entirely rational to think that some percentage of humans are starting to evolve a new sense organ of some type that we can't quite record yet but that can pick up on some sort of non-corporal entity that many people appear to have experience with right like that's what this whole podcast is kind of about is like different people having experiences with these unexplained things and so you know I mean if I see something like this and every and a lot of other people have seen these shadow people but I saw one in my near-death experience and it was attached to me and it was trying to pass itself off as me, but it wasn't me. And it had these like uh, teeth, like this big old smile and these big old like teeth, almost like joker teeth, uh, like like fangs. And when I agreed to the light in my near-death experience so that I was going to hold on, I said, okay, I can hold on you know, when he, cause I got very serious and he goes, just hold on, just hold on. And in that moment, I understood that that was all I had to do was survive it, wait it out, wait for God's time, just survive it, just experience it. It wasn't a test, like a written test. It was a, you have to go through and experience this, you know, like a movie or a play. And, um, you know, complaining about it would be like, a pixel on a screen complaining that it's a blue pixel and not a black pixel or a yellow pixel.
1: I've had some guests that they help people get entities, you know, taken out of them.
0: Well, that's very interesting. And I just, I feel like this has been attached to me as a burden to like help me gain strength or humility or to it felt like it had been assigned to me but it turned and it smiled and it tried to argue with god and it tried to game the situation and it goes for just a little while and then at that point god was like slammed me back into my body and um i woke up and uh, i called i called my friends quote unquote and uh they were very surprised to hear from a dead girl (laughs) they uh they had bailed they had not called 911 <laughs> um and I, I it's understandable you know like you know I, they didn't want to go to prison uh, at the time you know like this was the very end of the 90s so like laws were a little bit harsher you know if you take a girl to a hospital and she's ODing back then you know you're definitely going to jail so um nothing but compassion there and i hope everybody got their lives together and ended up doing well um
1: do you fear death at all
0: no i look forward to it i fear i fear screwing up again i fear embarrassing myself any more than i already have and i fear very much offending hurting the light like that like honestly like the idea of starting a church or a note my own ministry is intimidating for that reason because like you know i don't ever want to say something that someone takes the wrong way or that like the next generation takes runs off another the way and somebody ends up thinking god doesn't love them or thinking that hell is better than heaven because god's none of those things are true and if your church says follow me instead of your conscience leave that church that's evil follow your conscience above your church uh and that goes true whether you are regardless regardless of the name on the door you know um god gave you that free will for a reason and he didn't want you to surrender it when You do that, what you're doing is you're idolizing other men. And even like sometimes I notice within the evangelical community, like sometimes uh women are told, submit to your husbands, submit to your husbands, submit to your husbands. And the thing is when you do that too much, when you submit, submit, submit. I even tried like a messed up weakened version of that and it didn't work out well. And the thing is that you start to idolize your husband. And you start to put your husband's opinion and what your husband thinks over what your conscience and what the Holy Spirit is telling you to do, you know, with that ramal word, that living word inside you, that, uh, that communication that that you can get directly from God, that everyone can, you know, it's just waiting there. Just ask, ask a real question, listen for the answer and be open to whatever it says. Maybe it'll be something that you were completely unexpecting. Um, one good thing to help differentiate if it's like God or not is just, I hate to say this, but the way it sounds, because it's not a sound, but if it feels pissy or threatening or scary, that's not God. Even if God's telling you something that's very frightening objectively, it will come with a feeling of peace. You know, it won't be like, oh, no, there's a war coming. It'll be like, okay, so what you're going to do is you're going to go to this store and this day and you're going to find this sale on this rice and then you're going to give it to this person later. (laughs) You know, And, and so it's like a peaceful path when God shows you the danger is coming. It's more like he shows you a solution not a lot of fear. And so if you're starting to like open up, whether it's through a pagan path, whether you're doing like tarot like I used to do or like I wasn't very good at Tarot. I did a lot of further, a lot of rune casting and a lot of fire scrying If what you're seeing in that is a lot of war, a lot of fear, a lot of pain, um, or something like that, then you have to ask yourself what what station have you tuned your radio to? you know your mental radio too because this could be like a, you're making a valid attempt you're turning it on but then you're accessing the wrong spirit the wrong spirit group because what i've observed uh from watching auras and things afterwards is it's almost like the red lights like to go to the red lights and the green lights like to go to the green lights and the blue lights like to hang out with the blue lights and all of them kind of have their own like all these different colored lights behave in that way within their own different it's almost like Like when you're looking at a Greco-Roman pantheon, you know, Um, and all of those are in their own species category. And then you have the white light, the one I met in my near-death experience. That's its own species category. So when the colored lights interact with that, it's almost like they feed off the energy and bounce off. Like it gets to be too much for them and they need to go bounce off and do their own thing for a minute. And they'll start to become like lighter and lighter the more they feed on it, you know, so like red energy will start to become more pink and pink um but then they'll like bounce off and go back into their own little areas um whereas the darkness is also its own and i don't even like talking about it but its own species and when that interacts with the light it explodes
1: maybe beings of the same frequency are attracted to each other and that's why they end up in these different groups
0: yeah yeah it's it's almost like uh if you've imagined shaking up a jar that has different kinds of liquid in it you know it's got oil and water in it and then it settles and you see the different oils separate uh that's kind of what i observe and what else i observe is that little fragments of light can like come around you like with your action you'll attract them right so like uh if for example and i don't know why my brain keeps coming to this but like churches often forbid and say that it's a sin well when you do that you do attract red light now that does happen um but it's a matter of now what are you doing with that light okay are you trying to ground it so that you don't uh put unwanted towards other people then that's a good action i think my opinion uh, are you doing it to try to cultivate and enhance improper feelings to somebody that's not a, not interested? Then that's maybe not the best action. But that's not really my place to judge. That's like, where are you in your level? Where are you uh, today versus where were you yesterday? You know, if you can be like a little bit less harmful today than you were yesterday, if you can be 1% less harmful to other people, 1% more kind or considerate, and you can just do that every day, and that's much better than going. Oh my gosh, I need to change my life. You know, the afterworld is real. I'm gonna throw out all of my sinful things and do all of this, make all of these commitments. No, just understand that you're loved exactly as you are, and if you die today, God will love you exactly as you are, and you've been enough because you you weren't a mistake. God doesn't make mistakes. Like I always heard growing up, you know, I was maybe not heard directly, but got the feeling both at church and at school, because uh, like I, you know, I was brought up in a Mormon church. I went to a Episcopalian grade school, a Catholic middle school, a Southern Baptist high school, then an interdenominational charismatic Christian school for my senior year. You know, and then I got into college and I studied Wicca. And then I, uh, after that, I got into Buddhism and I got into yoga, you know, and then I came back around and I guess got drunk and accidentally got saved. Um, I'm still adjusting to that. Uh, so it's just, it's, it's an interesting journey. And no matter where you are on that journey, no matter what name you're using for God, no matter what tradition you're in or you're born in, if you can show love, 1% more loving, more kind than you were yesterday, then your life will start clicking better and it will start flowing better. And anybody who tells you, even a well-intentioned, smart person who tells you to do something outside of love, something that's only going to benefit you and not help others, that's a time to be a rebel. That's a time to remember that no man, no matter how smart, no matter how well-intentioned, no matter how authoritative or what title they have, Ranks god and when god speaks to you directly with that frame of word you know like not just that logos word not just that written word in your scriptures whether it's the bible or the book of mormon or the dhammapada or the Quran. once you start getting and once you start hearing that voice of god you know it says even in the bible my sheep hear my voice once you start hearing that peaceful voice that says it's okay here's what you do next and that shows you sometimes you know warns you in advance do this this will be bad but then gives you that choice you know it's not like a sense of fear it's not a racing in the heart or a burning in the chest the peace like a warm oil pouring and once you get used to that then you realize that following that is so much better than following your own like anyone's advice even your own even my own thoughts you know like uh you know even when i'm like buying food rhinestones for work you know art supplies for work i'm like okay god what do you want me to do which ones are shiny which ones which ones are going to be are going to trend so in january of 2020 and this was really weird i'm on amazon and i'm scrolling through okay god which one are going to trend and believe it or not god answered me and said none of these i go none of them what about the chromes the glitters none of these what about the stamping place the the stickers none of these i'm like well what's going to trend god and i saw a white wall And I heard, go to the craft store and buy something else. And then I started hearing, go buy fabric. And I'm like, I don't sew. I haven't sewed in years. Go buy fabric. What do you mean fabric? I don't even have my machine. My ex probably gave it away. Go buy fabric. So. I go and buy a bunch of fabric. I go buy a bunch of plastic. I'm 100% sure I'm crazy. At this point, I had just left, like separated from my husband. I was literally living in a hotel room, buying fabric, you know, at like the end of January, beginning of February. And so God's just showing me, make masks. And I'm like, Jesus, I've never done this before in my life. There are no patterns to buy online. And he's saying, do it. So I'm like, OK, so he tells me and I get this vision in my head of my upstairs closet in my ex's house with my sewing machine in it. And so I go over to my ex's house and things had gotten pretty rough. I wasn't sure what it was going to happen if I go over there. And uh, I'm like, I need my sewing machine. And he goes, it's not here. I'm like, it's in the upstairs closet. And I hadn't seen it except in my vision. And I was going to trust it was there because I was already at the house. So, you know, what's he going to do? Shoot me? So. uh He's like, no, 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 I'm sure it's over at my mother's or something, or gave it away. You know, it's over at my mother's. And I'm like, no, nope, it's up here. And I go there, and sure enough, to my shock, it's right there. So I go there, and I'm like, okay, so make masks. And just, it was almost like that scene in The Matrix where he wakes, he gets a download, and he's like, wakes up, and he's like, I know Kung Fu. It's like the ability to make masks downloaded into my brain, and I don't know from where and so like I went from like having no idea having how to do this and uh to suddenly now I I'm making a lot of these every day you know like first day I make like three and then the next day I make like 12 and then the next day I'm making like a whole bunch and I even like nothing was closed at this point like two weeks before shutdown I even brought my sewing machine into work and I said guys we're gonna have a shutdown and they're like no I'm like guys we're going to have a shutdown. I'm pulling acrylic service. And because I'm like, I started having these visions of clients getting stuck at home with grown out acrylics and it hurting when it pulls off their nails and bleeding and cracking. And I didn't want that. And so like I told all my regulars, I'm not going to lay acrylic for you. And I lost a fortune. I was like, I, I just like basically gave up my paycheck, set my book on fire. I lost like all the customers. I'm like, if you want acrylic, go to somewhere else. I'll wash your feet. I'll do your pedicure. I'll do a soak off. I'm telling you, soak off buy masks and sure enough what happens a few weeks later government shuts it down so those that listen to me didn't get stuck with painful grown-out acrylics but i guess it's not listening to me it's listening to the spirit you know this wasn't my idea (laughs) um i'm hearing now buy food So, like, if you're at Publix, and I'm not saying go out and, like, buy one of those crazy prepper things. What I'm saying is, like, if you're at Publix and you see buy one, get one free on, like, some Chef Boy RD or some vegetables, like canned vegetables or, uh, you know, like those little bags of rice that already have the seasoning in it and you just throw it in the rice cooker. Stuff that you would actually use, but it's going to be good on the shelf for a while. It might be good to just, like, you know, stock up on a little extra of that instead of, uh, you know some other mad money expense you know when you have an extra five ten dollars burning a hole in your pocket instead of buying a bottle of wine maybe buy like something that can go in this in this just in case there's another two-week disruption where we're stuck at home or there's another uh unexpected situation a hurricane uh i don't know what it's gonna be uh the word famine keeps coming in my head and i just don't want to speak that into existence but the black horse of famine is i think here now and it just hasn't hit us in this country yet but i saw it specifically in the aura of certain leaders um unfortunately and i actually changed parties over this um i usually say that it's so that i could tell the republican party that as a republican we should But in reality, a good part of it was because uh, during the primaries, I looked up on stage and I started reading the auras and I saw black aura. Black aura is rare in a world leader, it's not good. Uh, Hitler had a black aura, and I'm not saying Biden's Hitler, he's not. But Putin has a red aura, Biden has a black aura. And if you did want to go all revelations, the red horse brings war. The black horse brings famine and the speckled horse is next. That's supposed to bring death. So I've noticed a lot of the farming changes. Uh, I've been having a really bad feeling about this idea of um, planting the crops side by side, like planting the different kinds of crops together. And it's supposed to produce more food. And something's telling me that there's a trick to it, that they're not going to get right, and that there's going to be a problem with that. And now I've noticed in my own garden, too, The plants are struggling, like, especially the ones that I tested that method on that now uh, I'm hearing in news conferences, they're saying that they're encouraging our farmers to try this and it's supposed to be better for the environment and stuff and use less pesticides and use less fertilizer and all these good benefits, more stuff per square acre. But what I've noticed in my own garden, uh, because something's telling me to test that out for like two years now, I've been hearing start a garden this has been like something holy spirit's been telling me and i'm like are you sure you don't want me to just paint nails god that's that's what i was wanting to do no buy gardening supplies now first you have me buy masks now you're having me buy gardening supplies i don't get it but i've learned that if i don't listen to that voice even when the world tells me i'm crazy that things go badly and when i do listen to it things go really well so um yeah, just like you know, anytime you've got an extra five, ten, twenty bucks in your pocket, get a couple cans of something, toss it in your pantry. Hopefully, you'll never need it. I'm completely wrong, and you can just donate it next Thanksgiving to the food pantry.
1: Have you told your friends and family about your NDE, and if so, how did they react?
0: You know the saying, "No profits accepted" in their hometown. Mm. Uh, my brother's just like, uh, "Okay." My mom always listens really intently, and then seems to immediately forget. My dad politely listens and goes, well, there's a lot of unexplained. I don't think that he really believes in me, but I don't think he really believes in the existence of a lot of us anyway. I think that God gave him a really thick aura to get through combat, and to get through uh, some of the things that he had to deal with.
1: Do you think your NDE during the experience is more real than here? And like this three-dimensional world is like a dream compared to your NDE?
0: Yeah, absolutely. This is a simulation. This isn't real. This is just like when Elon Musk says that this is a simulation, he's right. This is like a, maybe that's like a really crude and tacky way to put it. That's some spirits telling me that that's not quite accurate, but it's, yeah, I guess a dream or a play. It felt like I had been a little kid in a school play and that I had forgotten my lines and that God was patting me on the head and telling me it's okay. Okay, go back. Play's not done yet. Shoo
1: shoo. I didn't ask you this before, but do you have anything that you would like to share? Like a website or a or, a, you know, a a book or a class or anything?
0: No, God told me very specifically that I was that this was freely given to me and that I'm not to charge for it.
1: After watching this podcast, people may want to reach out to you and ask you questions and chit chat with you. Are you open Absolutely. to that? You're open to that. How should they connect with you?
0: Uh, I'm Elizabeth Crosby on Facebook. When you message me, just make sure that you put that you heard about me through this podcast, or if you want to just like call me, I can give you my cell phone number. Like I'm fine taking phone calls. Uh, 904-235-6814. That's just my personal self. Uh, just, you know, if, if it's called, if, if you catch me at a weird time, I'll probably be sleepy and or grumpy, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. yeah, you can, you can uh, text that number too. It's it's a cell phone. I would love to hear from you. Um, I'm really grateful for the chance to share with you because God's telling me that I'm supposed to start some sort of like ministry with like sharing this with people. And I don't know what it is because I just wash feet. I wash feet for my bread. I'm a poor woman. That's it. I paint nails. Sometimes I answer phones like I'm not important, but this message is important and it wants to get out there and It's especially important for, like, I think LGBT youth in the Mormon community and youth in the Mormon community that have been through any or any uh, trauma at home, any family dysfunction, where the idea of families being forever is not so happy. Um, I want you to know that the real God isn't mad at you. It isn't mad at you for whatever you did. Like, if you got mad and kissed, kissed a girl and went rebellious and drank a bunch of alcohol or whatever else, God's not mad at you. God's mad at the church for doing that to you, for making you think that you were unworthy because, or that you ever had to be worthy to begin with, because again, we're not supposed to be perfect. We're supposed to be human mm-hmm. and we're supposed to, it was like this one time I had this dream after my grandpa died. Cause like I asked very specifically, I prayed uh, before I fell asleep and I asked, you know god is my grandpa okay how's he doing on the other side and then i for a second something inside me went and grandpa if you're up there how do souls reproduce because this was a thing that had been nagging me since i was like eight. <laughs> oh, you know and uh the idea of how souls reproduce in the afterlife this is like a big thing within mormon theology and so what i saw in this dream was i remembered and it felt like a special kind of it didn't feel like a normal dream and I remember it even though I don't normally remember a lot of dreams but I remembered before and I was love and I was happy and I was content and I knew everything I had any, I didn't need anything and no one needed anything and everything was perfect and I was so The closest earthly word is bored, but that's not it. It was like this ineffable, ineffable needs to love and to be loved, and to have something to do and to have someone to do it for, and just the loneliness and the isolation. And it—it's like I wanted to feel something, and I wanted to feel more than anything else the sensation of learning. And then I realized. problem was that in order to do that I had to become small and weak and helpless and mortal and it was so gross and I shuddered and disgusted. but the loneliness was I just exploded and I became we. I became me and you became you And we all came out in different directions, all these trillions of lights shooting out, trillions in every color and every shape and size and every direction all around. And I think that was my answer to the question of how it happened. It was almost like a a bang, like a big bang, like just souls exploded everywhere. And then I could see me as separate. And I was no longer, I missed being the weak. And in the end, there is no me, there is no you, there is only we. There is only the summation of all of we together. And it's like love is the structure of it that builds these things out of consciousness.
1: Elizabeth, before we finish up, can you leave us with one last positive message?
0: I just think it's that God loves you exactly as you are.
1: That's it. Elizabeth, thank you so much for being my guest today. I really appreciate I really appreciate you. I wish you the best. Thank you, sir. Appreciate
0: it.